To quote the bard RuPaul, hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome back to Chris and Eric's Longbox Adventure. I am the Eric part. And I'm Chris. And this week we are diving into my favorite genre of comics for the first time, specifically boys love. And the pick today we're going to be discussing is a manga called Fangs. Uh, we're going to be discussing the first volume it is by Billy Bolly Bolly. There's a name right there. And this pick was a bit more collaborative than usual because essentially this time I knew I wanted to do something gay. So I presented you with four options and this is the one you pick. So I suppose before I dive into the sort of plot stuff and full discussion, what about Fangs caught your eye and do you regret your choice or not? I like vampires, and no, no, I think out of all the options, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is paranormal romance, this is vampires, and just in case anyone is listening doesn't already know, uh, the term I used before, boys love, is just a term for Japanese manga centered around male-male relationships, can be romantic, can be sexual, often both, in this case both. Fangs is about In and Ichi. In is a young man who is the survivor of a vampire attack. So he essentially wakes up the only survivor when a vampire at a club lost control, killed everyone else, bit him. He survives to become a vampire and he meets Ichi, who works for the organization Fangs, which essentially serves to help rehabilitates, maybe not necessarily the right word inherently, but helps vampires go about their daily lives in secret without affecting humans, without attacking humans. They basically just try and steer healthy vampire life where the vampires are as happy as they can be and where they're not killing people and causing trouble. And the story is basically just about their growing romance. There's other plot stuff going on with like other characters and stuff that we'll get to as we make our way through the book. But on the whole, yeah, it's gay. It's about vampires and it's about gay vampires. So what was your impression overall? I mean, I liked it. It was pretty good. I think it does less for me than it does for you, <laughs> because I'm depressingly straight. But, like, so far as paranormal romances go, I mean, I enjoyed it as much as I'd enjoy something like True Blood or something like that. And we read Volume 1. I think the way Volume 1 ended, it seems like there's going to be more of a threat in a later volume. And I think that would kick it up another notch for me, because I, I liked it, but I felt that it was lacking some forward momentum because it was mostly just like introducing you to the cast of characters and world at this point yeah to your first point we need to get your kinsey numbers up to the second yeah i definitely get the impression that there's a bit more of a sinister build getting hinted at whereas this first volume is pretty much entirely concerned with establishing both the core couple and then just like the basic lore and rules of the society and some of the supporting cast and the overall romantic tone than in an active sort of like dangerous plot, which it gives the sense we'll get more of going forward. Chapter one introduces us to Ichi and In. They are at a pairing party, which is partially just like a social gathering for everyone to meet up and hang out and talk but is also more specifically geared towards giving the vampires a chance to sort of scope each other out and find other vampires that they might be interested in having as the other half of a pair. Pairs in this universe essentially meaning two vampires that help look after each other, live together, make sure that they're getting their food ethically and aren't killing humans. Basically, 
just life partners with all the time they spend together. Is remarked how quickly these turn into romantic and sexual pairings. And Ichi is there as ends supervisor, a company person, basically just his guide to new vampire life and helping keep an eye on them. And when they're at their party, they meet a couple of various people. There's a lot of talk of N being a virgin, by which they mean that he's a new vampire and hasn't had his blood sucked and hasn't been sucking blood a million times like everyone else has. And also is just much younger than everyone else because there's the whole, oh, I'm a vampire who looks 25. I'm actually. And like there's a moment like that with Ichi where we don't actually hear the actual number. We just get in being like, oh, so you're an old geezer. And we get a lot of that. We get in being flustered by everyone talking about him being so young and being a virgin. And at one point he proclaims that he and Ichi have already decided to become a pair, which shocks everyone around them, including Ichi, because they hadn't specifically said this yet. And N doesn't yet fully grasp that to say that basically amounts to telling everyone in the room, we're fucking. What did you think of this opening scene? Um, I thought all the other vampires were incredibly horny for N. <laughs> like, it's, it's, but the one difficulty, and I think this is just because the art style in the black and white, I was losing track in this scene of all the different people in formal dress with blonde hair. I don't have this problem later on because people start wearing different clothes, but everyone in bow ties. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, it's, um, the the bit that I liked the most was the sort of slow realization that N has that, like, everyone is watching him and that, like, they all want him. I really like vampires, and by that I mean I mostly really like Bram Stoker's Dracula, and by that I mean the novel. Most of the adaptations are pants, and, like, a big part of that is, like, Dracula in the book is kind of gross. He's not nearly as sexy as he is in every adaptation. But, like, it's still about, like, the sexual threat that vampires pose. Like, the the biting is penetrative and invasive. And, like, I think this scene was a really well done, like, moment of fear and apprehension. And then, like, Ichi being posed essentially as the safest option. It, It worked for me. It made sense. Yeah, um, on that note of vampire sexuality, I've never read Dracula in full, but from my understanding of what everyone says, the sex is very, like, metaphorical, more so than... Yes. Yeah, like, more so than literally on the page. Whereas of this, you go to the party and everyone's instantly just like, I want to fuck you, to end. Like, this book is very (laughs) sexual, and... By the end of chapter one, we get Ichi kisses in, in backs out, like literally slaps Ichi, except then that has the bloodlust turn where the slap has caused a little bit of blood at Ichi's mouth, which in then for the first time gives in to his newfound vampiric hunger and is like sort of kissing back, but is also just licking the sides of Ichi's mouth. (laughs) And just like the sound effects are just a great representative of just like the pounding of his heart as it's just like the new physical sensation of just hungering for blood. And then he looks practically like a fucking dog or something just lapping at his mouth and you see Ichi just like start to slowly smile. Because Ichi, as it will go on, will show more of, is just as in to in as everybody else is. He's just not as immediately forwardly crude as the rest of them are. He's much cooler about it. Yeah. I forgot, going back as I was rereading it, I forgot how many of the characters we meet in this opening scene are figures who will get more development in later chapters. Because the main people that they're talking to throughout the party all sort of get their moment to shine in later chapters. This doesn't just, like, introduce characters just to not go back to them. Like, everyone sort of has a role that gets more defined as they go on. There's Utsugi, who gives in his first taste of literally being sniffed like a dog. 
because of all of them, Utsugi is the most horny and most blatantly just trying to get down. And this part also serves to emphasize the importance of scent for the vampires, which is a recurring theme throughout in just in terms of relating to the sexuality. And I guess it's just sort of a like heightened sense of smell and they can also smell other people on other people in the sense of, oh, if someone has a partner, they can smell that person's scent all over them as well. Which basically just means that everyone can look across the room and know who's fucked who. And is why everyone is looking across the room and making in go, oh shit, because they're all looking at him. Because he's a tasty new treat that they all want to be the first to bite into. You mentioned the formal wear that everybody's wearing in this opening scene they're all just like in dapper little suits and such mm-hmm. but as the manga progresses there's like a bunch of different types of clothing here and i love it like there's so much different like street wear and like athletic wear and the characters wearing like in-universe brands this is not the type of comic where everyone wears the same thing all the time Or where it's all simple. Like, there's a lot of loving attention put into the clothing. I guess, did you feel the same, or did you think about the clothes much? I I did about Ichi and um, N's clothes, because they're very, like, immediately characterizing. Um, N spends a lot of time in, like, hoodies, and, um, like, baggier, comfier clothes. And then N is, like, normally in something dark. Like, it's it's very much like a light and a dark aesthetic going on with the two of them. N is far more likely to be, like, jacketed, stuff you, like that. Do you mean Ichi? Do you mean the older one? Ichi, yeah. Did I... Wait, what did I say? Uh, you just mixed up the names, that's oh. all. Ichi, okay. is far, Ichi is far more likely to be um, jacketed, and uh, whereas N is, is... I mostly noticed the hoodie versus the jacket. I specifically especially love his skateboarding outfits in the latter half with his hoodie and his cheetah print shorts. And, like, they just look like, what's that brand? Adidas? Is that the brand that that swoop is from? Or is that Skechers? The the little swoop on the shoes is Nike. Nike, yeah, Nike. He is just fully wearing Nikes. His Shrasher magazine hoodie... And then his loud-ass cheetah print shorts. And yeah, everything you said is true about the sort of, like, light-dark dichotomy. And, like, penchants for certain types of clothing with hoodies and sort of comfortable cover-ups. And the cover imagery also has just really lovingly rendered, like, denim blue jackets on in. Very much just like N being the relaxed wear and Ichi looking like the professional that he is. I just appreciate good clothing in comics. I just like it a lot. Yeah, especially since a lot of what we wind up reading is the big two superhero comics where everyone just kind of wears the same thing over and over again. I hadn't even thought about this as much looking at it, but yeah, there's so much detail and attention put into what people are wearing in every scene. It's also, like, the way it's drawn of just, like, texturally, like, the chapter two, like, title card, like, the material on that puffer jacket, like, the way that it's drawn, it looks like a different type of material than, say, like, cotton hoodies at different parts, or, like, the blue jean jacket that I mentioned, like, Bali Bali, that fucking name, Bali Bali is just, like, paying attention texture-wise to making... The clothing all just read like what it would actually be and it's not like flat it's different types of fabric different textures i'm just saying the same thing over and over again but i'm just obsessed <laughs> with this shit um in chapter two after the pairing party we get a glimpse to in and ichi's life at home in is living at ichi's house as he grows accustomed to things Ichi's being very flirtatious, more, like, laid back about it than Utsugi, like we said, but getting more and more over time, wants in to form an actual pairing with him, and from this point, the manga largely becomes their daily adventures together, 
in this case, it's in accompanying Ichi on his daily chores of his job, which on this first day means driving around town, checking up on vampires in the area that are like under his supervision, and delivering their food, i.e. their blood. They're driving around in this car with coolers full of just packs of blood. I don't think it ever specifically says where it's from. I assume like vampires giving it consensually to each other or just some sort of other ethical compared to killing people sort of thing. And it's basically just like delivering blood to people so that they can satisfy their base need without causing humans which again I don't know that I explicitly stated this but that's part of the pairing thing too is beyond living together and having sex the pairs do feed on each other like not to the point of you know extreme injury or whatever but they can just get blood from each other and that happens alongside sex just continuing the vampire feeding sexual it's not a metaphor here it's just direct link here and yeah they basically go around town delivering blood to people and they spend some time at the home of utsugi and his boyfriend algiri and basically they have to pretend like they don't or at least in doesn't already know utsugi he does the whole drawn out sort of so nice to meet you where he like says it in the tone of being like don't you say anything about seeing me at the fuck party because the couple's supposed to be pretty monogamous and Algiri knows how much Utsugi wants to go out and fuck other people and so it's a very like pointed look across the couch of just like don't you fucking say something and yeah it's basically for this bit just them talking in getting more socializing with other vampires uh what did you think as it progressed what do you think of the whole like job stuff and the social dichotomies or like anything else that's shaping up oh here's what we learn about the charm yeah this set of characters i i was mostly interested in um the part where we learn about the charm power that the vampires have um i mean it's a very classical like vampire brainwashing thing i mean seen any vampire thing you've probably seen the bit where they look at you across the room with their piercing eyes um but uh well later on we see this uh visualized in the lettering which i think was really good i'm assuming it was similarly visualized in the lettering in the japanese version uh what instance are you talking about the way that the charm is done uh, here we go with the see-through because that's the charm that's a mental thing Right? That's what that is. The see-through? Yeah, the see-through speech bubbles are mental using the charm. Right? Am I Or am I crazy? But, like, it's established that he used the charm in this scene later, and... Oh, maybe. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's how I read that. I guess that's possible, yeah. Because none of this... Like, there's literally a panel later where N is saying something in one of those but also like has his mouth full of zipper at the time like it's very explicitly like there's no way in this panel you're saying that out loud you are currently unzippering his pants with your mouth okay yeah i guess that is definitely a way to read it yeah right there huh like a mental vampire communication thing because it's so specifically different than than the like opaque sort of usual word bubbles usual word bubbles yeah i suppose you're probably right I honestly didn't really think about it in these points largely because it's during the sex scenes and therefore I was like, oh, it's transparent and it's just that way you're seeing a little bit more of whatever's going on underneath of it. Like I honestly just thought of it as like a porny thing more than anything. But yeah, what you're saying, that does make sense in terms of the context of like when they're using it and how they're discussing. It's done here with Utsugi as well. In this scene, um, Sugi uses it as, like, a threat. So, yeah, I, I read that as, like, a mental communication and not something out loud. Okay. That's interesting. That's, like, an interesting little, like, lettering differentiation thing that's kind of impressive that I hadn't even thought about. Despite how many times I've read this fucking book, we're still finding things that I've never thought about. 
I don't especially care about this other romantic couple. They're, I think, serving more as just sort of like vehicles of more lore dumping here than anything else. The characters we'll get to afterward, I think, are more interesting. But I think they also serve the role of just like, here's Inanichi seeing this awkward romantic sexual tension between them as their own sexual tension is bubbling under. Because again, this whole thing is just about their own tension. And at the end of chapter two, Ichi and In have sex for the first time as everyone else will re will remark upon later, because again, vampires can smell sex on people. Weird <laughs> sex-smelling people. But they have their sex scene partially influenced by the charm powers, and two things I think especially notable about it. One being that sex and blood first being linked again, Ichi specifically motions for N to suck his blood to bite his neck for that physical sustenance which he does in which the blood bonding becomes part of the sexual act and then after that we get a relatively quick turn to a more tender sort of moment that's like cheesy but also sweet where they finished having sex Ichi is talking to N as they're laying on the bed he says you remind me of how I was when I'd first turned. Which, as a general character beat, Ichi is less expressive than N is, much less immediately talking about his own feelings, which contributes to themes of, like, vampire life and loneliness that the volume develops more as it goes on, and also just their personality difference. And after that, like, first little moment of acknowledging, like, shared experience... He is looking at N's neck, which he touches lightly with his fingers, and then he says, A wound is an entryway for light. At which point, N looks over his shoulder, and is just like, Bitch what? With the expression that he's giving. Very just like, What sort of cheesy shit are you saying? And basically, it's just like a roomy poem line. And from there, we get internal monologue from N saying here I think he's about to make me cry but then he just laughs it off and tries to cheer me up with some weird poem none of this makes sense it's like I'm going insane I mean I think so so then why do I feel so incredibly at ease with those words transposed over a panel of Ichi once again like wrapping his arms around him and, I don't know, maybe this was just a me thing, but I really love the entry ray for light moment. Because it's silly and it's funny. And the look of what the fuck on N's face is really funny to me. But it's also a moment of vulnerability on Ichi's part, which I think probably eclipses his earlier scenes. It's sort of the first real honest emotional linking that... Ichi is attempting to do, he's sort of doing his first little letting the guard up, or letting the guard down, as it were, as they begin to bond a bit more closely. Do you have anything else to say about, like, this scene, or about any of the early stuff before we get into the second half of the book with the support group and stuff? I thought that scene in particular was kind of necessary, because, like, uh, during the sex scene, Ichi is a little rougher with N than he was expecting, or, like, sort of went in wanting. I don't think the book would have worked nearly as well without Ichi letting his guard down there and actually, like, admitting to his own vulnerabilities. Yeah, like, the whole charm thing is involved, and that comes with all of the sort of intrinsic thematic concerns of, like, consent and... Like, it doesn't read as a rape scene at all, but it sort of introduces the complication. And I think their sort of opening up emotionally, vulnerability-wise, contributes to the sense that there's an actual relationship to be developed here. And that's not just horrible. Hunger. Yeah, hunger. Not just hunger. Yeah. After this point in Chapter 3, we get... Basically, N and Ichi are sort of awkwardly going about their days together. 
because they're not like yet fully like happy and comfortable with each other like they've passed that step but they're still not fully at ease with like the way that they're bonding together of what the state of their relationship is so it's just sort of awkward even though they both enjoyed what they did they haven't yet fully filled each other out yet and in the meantime Ichi introduces in to this cafe setting that basically serves as a support group for fangs where vampires can meet up talk hang out there's gonna be a theme in this second half that's very repeated and important of just like how potentially lonely vampire life can be especially for people who aren't paired and it's here that we really get to know the characters Masaki and Mariko who Masaki appeared but was not named at the party earlier and he's just another nice vampire nice man he's kind that's about it but helps run the place along with his wife Mariko who looks far older than him although he's older than her because again vampire ages none of them look more than maybe 30 not even that probably whereas Mariko fully looks like a senior citizen and turns out the reveal they are married um they even have a son who Masaki shows in a photo of and in remarks that the son looks like an old man because again vampire age gags which I don't know I think are funny personally uh that scene reminded me from um have you seen what we do in the shadows like the the movie but with Taika Waititi and um people whose names I can't remember no I haven't it's a hilarious mockumentary about New Zealand vampires and um Taika Waititi's vampire is dating a woman who is clearly in like her 70s at the earliest and there's a joke where he's like talking about the age gap in the relationship but then obviously the age gap is that he is so much older than her yeah the age jokes throughout are just very charming to me I didn't remark on another type earlier so I'll go ahead and do it before I forget here but there's also a running gag where because he's so much younger than everyone else because he just got turned to a vampire and looks so young not just because he's a vampire and doesn't age but because he actually is so young that all of the other characters keep referring to him as a baby and that'd be whatever on its own but there's a recurring visual gag where anytime they do that, his reaction shot shows him wearing a pacifier like a little <laughs> baby, which is very funny to me. Uh, yeah, there was there was uh, that earlier as well in the scene with um, Utsagi. But yeah, the um, Masagi and his wife Mariko, it's clear that he's happy now still, but like with that character, there's like a sense of inevitability because she is going to die inside of like 10 15 years and he's just gonna wind up in the same place that um a lonely unpaired vampire would be and like what that could wind up doing to him like this this second half is really dark like all this sequence here because there's just like a sense of doom because you just like think about it for a second you're like oh hang on she's old yeah like this brings up just like the issue of the vampires don't really age but immortality doesn't necessarily mean happiness because like in his case there's the oh she's gonna die and also just the issue of pairings and what it means to live so long and then lose someone and have to deal with that grief for all the longer which we'll get more into with the character in the next chapter and the discussion of suicide but before that, I think the conversation that Masaki and En have is pretty important in what it handles in terms of, or what it highlights in terms of In and Ichi's relationship. I'll just read some, like, portions of it. Basically, it just has, like, In telling Masaki how Ichi has suggested that they become a pair and... Masaki says, I've seen plenty of people try to woo Ichi in my day, 
but never him trying to woo someone else. I see now. You seem like a good kid. Cute too. Da 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 da. Ichi might laugh while he says it, but it probably took him a lot of courage to say that. To which N goes, huh? You really think so? I can see that. But I already drank his blood. And we fu- we had sex. To which just fucking Masaki goes, you corrected yourself? How adorable. And N goes, aren't we pretty much a couple now? Having him go on about it like this is just, it's embarrassing, goddammit. And Masaki goes, Well, I've been around for a few decades, and sometimes I still want to hear something spoken aloud, even at my age. Or maybe that's precisely why. I want someone to tell me they love me. After all, life as a vampire is a lonely existence. And that last line just says it so plainly, where even though Masaki is old as fuck, you know, and doesn't really have to worry about dying himself. There's still just the issue where even though he's happy now and he's with his wife of decades, he still has to contend with everything you said about how she's going to die and about just the loneliness there. And these last chapters are just very sad. It's the uh, Who Wants to Live Forever Queen song from uh, The Highlander. Yeah. This theme continues in chapter 4, where Ichi is essentially checking up on another vampire named Sugi, who Sugi is very depressed, is just a total shut-in at this point, wasn't at the party because he doesn't leave his house at all, and essentially what's revealed is that Sugi used to have a partner of his own, and that that partner used to watch the stars at night and would have like a little hole on the roof awning or whatever to watch them through. And Sugi remarks that his partner had probably fallen asleep watching the stars like he always did and then burned up in the morning light. Because like most vampires, the vampires in this series are harmed by sunlight. No sparkles. No sparkles. And the question is also posed of Sugi wondering, did his partner do it on purpose? Did his partner commit suicide? And he wonders, if so, why didn't he invite me to do so as well? And there's just this sense of like longing and mourning. And even though they were both vampires and could have theoretically lived forever, or at least whatever, you know, inhuman lifespan they have in this universe even though they had all of that the partner is still gone and Sugi now is still left having to deal with the human emotions of grief and with just not wanting to have to face any of it anymore and I think this is probably the most hard-hitting part of the volume emotionally speaking yeah I'd agree it's um it's just like really sad and depressing <laughs> as a thought. Um, it's definitely extrapolating on the existing themes of the book so far. And like, it makes it pretty clear why like fangs exists in the universe. Like there's been some real thought put into the world building here because like, yeah, vampires couldn't exist and remain sane if they're, if they're going to have human emotions still, which like, sometimes vampires are just like demons living in corpses essentially but um yeah like the 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 need for a support group and for a support structure and how difficult it is even with that when you have to live forever and you can't really die but everyone else does yeah it's all it's very sad and the sadness after the scene at Sugi's house, we flash forward shortly after to In and Ichi back at home with In asking Ichi if life has been lonely as a vampire. And it's just this sort of nice, cuddly moment between them where even though they're like sad and they're processing heavy emotions... It's sort of an uplifting little moment of just soft intimacies, like soft kisses, looking at each other with puppy dog eyes, just small little acts of affection, which is 
also significant for them in that this is a sort of daily comfort and lack of awkwardness that's sort of a progression for their relationship because they've already been sexually intimate like we've said before but afterward they were having their sort of awkward not sure how to communicate with each other sort of thing going on so this is a very good step in terms of just like letting the walls down a little bit more and we get some more good narration from in of within this new reality you're just another mystery to me when you mention your past describing it as ever since this or ever since that i have no idea what you're even talking about not to mention this lingering scent hey ichi is this strange scent mixed in with your blood actually the presence of your partner from the past still lingering within you because if we didn't already state explicitly before it's basically established that like sugi ichi is also dealing with some sort of grief over a lost partner who i don't think it's explicitly stated as dead like i think we're definitely meant to be able to read it as that's definitely like a likely possibility but not explicitly so the door is still a little bit open there in terms of maybe that character will return at some point or just there's ways that reveal could be handled as that sort of developed in the future but it is again sort of a humanizing moment for ichi and that he's not just the calm cool collected older vampire that's mentoring in but that he also has his own shit he's dealing with even if he seems to have it on the surface much more together and as you pointed out while we were paused a minute ago we've been covering all of the sad things but we have not mentioned the part of this chapter that is the most joyous occasion of the book which is darwin would you like to explain darwin to the listeners darwin is an adorable tortoise who lives with sugi and just marches around and is the cutest and he's fucking gigantic too <laughs> a giant tortoise let's see his little character exposition panel has aldabra giant tortoise testudinides testudinidae i'm guessing those are like whatever like species subspecies sort of descriptions or whatever the genus and then the species name yeah yeah and then length 1.2 meters which that's big and that's also not even describing how tall up his shell goes this is a big boy this is bigger than many dogs this is even bigger than the gigantic killing machine that is my cat this is a very large tortoise and in the establishing shots the narration before he's revealed the page before he's on page for the first time it goes another day dot 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 where ichi leads me dot 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 and you turn the page and it's dot 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 to yet more unknown terrors and you get the image of darwin staring them down at the doorway where ichi's just kind of not really reacting but in is just blushing and thinks it's the cutest thing in the world you have pulled up for me on your phone a picture of one of these real-life turtles, and goddamn, these bitches are big. I think so, right? Let me see the scientific thing real quick. Uh, so this is in the same order, but I don't think it actually is a Galapagos tortoise, which is funny because the name Darwin would imply that he is Aldabra. Okay. There we go. Okay, yeah, this is this is from an island in the Indian Ocean and not the Galapagos, which was my initial assumption on the name um the name darwin <laughs> why is that the thing i'm looking up of all things <laughs> i mean darwin is a very good character um also a perfect name for a tortoise of course and we have in asking did you open the door yourself what a clever boy because it does seem that this tortoise did in fact open the door itself because sugi didn't do it and there's no other people there to do it. So this tortoise did in fact open up the door to let them inside. Uh, this tortoise is a descendant of, like, ancient old gods that interbred with tortoises. So he's super smart. Yes, I did steal that from Scooby-Doo. 
Which Scooby-Doo? <laughs> Mystery Incorporated. Um, Scooby-Doo is descended from um, Lovecraftian alien gods. That's why he can talk. Fucking Christ. <laughs> it's actually really good. <laughs> That's what everyone says. That's like one of the few Scooby-Doo series I haven't watched a lot of, but everyone says it's great. I think... Didn't they have, like, Velma had a crush on Shaggy or vice versa or something? Oh, oh, that's the bit of it that wasn't great. She's, like, emotionally abusive. See, now, it was all of the added-on heterosexuality that I did not need. Because, like, there was already Fred and Daphne, but I really did not need a non-lesbian Velma. I don't um, think we need a non-lesbian Velma. So the intention of the creators was to show that she was not a good match with boys. And by the end of the show, she is very obviously, but clearly, like, they don't say it, but she's very obviously dating um, a character who's actually voiced by Linda Cardellini, who did Velma in the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. Um, but... Yeah, the early stuff with Shaggy is almost insufferable because she is horrible to him. Normally Velma's my favorite character, but in that series, she wasn't its Fred, which was so weird. That must be a weird feeling. Fred's, like, obsessed with traps, so he's hilarious. Oh, I do remember that part. I remember liking that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, weird sidetrack to Scooby-Doo comics. I need to do that. At some point, we'll discuss Scooby more when it's time for Scooby Apocalypse. Yes, yes. When we start doing Scooby splaining. <laughs> and have you read those comics at all? No, I've just seen them. They look so bad. They were kind of good until they weren't. <laughs> they are really ridiculous. And at a certain point, it just got too bad. Largely because it suffered from the American comic industry issue of just like non-consistent art teams and just the art looking more and more rushed and not good as it went on and dc just clearly cared less and less about the book but putting a pin in scooby-splaining for now the last chapter chapter five in this volume is a very relatively laid back one for the most part or at least compared to the complete and total heavy emotional toll of chapter four It's very much in and Ichi sort of grappling with everything they have going on emotionally. And in invites Suga out to go skateboarding as a gesture of friendship and a way of trying to get him out of the house. And, you know, just sort of emotional support that way. So we get a little bit of brief fun. Vampires skateboarding. Everyone's wearing their great clothes that we talked about earlier. And... It's uh, not just Sugi, but uh, Masaki. But both of them leave after a little bit because they're just like, we need to give these men some time alone. And they go home, they're talking. It's just more development of like, you know, healthy, just emotional honesty as they're talking. They talk a little bit about how In is thinking about the night when he was turned at the party and how he looks in the news and he can't find any evidence of the attack, um, to which Ichi just talks about certain old vampires just having mega influence, like societal role-wise, and also their charm powers, and the ability to like cover things up, which sort of goes along with what we said earlier about like there's a sense of something sinister building that Volume 2 might end up uh, developing fervor, and... It goes from there back to just talk of more vampire life in general. And N asks, what do you like about me so much? And Ichi answers, you're not like the rest of us. We don't smile that much or get upset. We rarely even have sex or fall in love. We just drift through life in slow motion like old ghosts thinking about death, which... Really just hits home everything that's been built up thematically about the loneliness and difficulty of vampire life and about the sort of light in their lives that these two's growing relationship has become and is becoming a source of comfort for them. And from there, we just, you know, it's just a very romantic fade. And then we skip forward to their back at home 
and they are just fucking the hell out of each other again in the second big sex scene where like it's still rough but it's the narration is like comparatively more romantic to last time where it's like a bit more lovey-dovey than last time although it's still also just like paranormal vampire beasts we get this narration internal monologue rather from ichi who says being with you i feel so warm almost like i can finally forget these old wounds etched upon my heart but even if today's full of light nobody can rewrite the past and in one of the panels of this sequence we get this shot of the inner arm on ichi where there's a cross mark over top of what looks like a long scar I sort of read it as, is this like a tattoo that's covering the scar as much as it possibly can? And like, we're not explicitly told like where it's from, but it's very foreboding. Goes back to Ichi's established issues of the past. And from there, we zoom back to a scene, presumably from the way they're talking at another pairing party, where there appears to have been a vampire that has attacked the other vampires because they're all strewn out like on the floor bloodied up um possibly most likely dead and this vampire also has a cross symbol presumably a tattoo of his own that's on the back of his neck and there's some dialogue that like implies this man like lives separately from vampire society um he's not named there's sort of a sense of like is he one of these old influential figures that's been talked about? Is he another type of like the one who turned in earlier? Could it be the same person? Basically just a very scary sort of, oh shit, things are going to get more dangerous and more unpleasant going forward. What did you think, I suppose, of this ending to the volume? Um, I mean, I liked it. I really like the... um certainly as i said earlier the threat towards the future especially i think the vampire at the end is ichi's old partner i think that makes the most sense as like a next narrative beat to do and probably also the one who turned n that's the most dramatic option which i think is is what you would go for in something like this but yeah, no, I mean, it was good. Um, getting interior monologue from Ichi, seeing that, like, I'm gonna, that must be a suicide attempt. But, like, it doesn't make sense for a vampire's attempted suicide. So that's from when he was a human, presumably, I think. I hadn't really thought about it as that. But now that you say that, yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility of, like, the scarring might be self-harm potentially like active suicide attempt scarring um yeah i'm not sure how to <laughs> turn it that's a grim thing to end on how do i turn away from that well i do um, have one more thing i need to talk about oh yeah sure please go ahead um i absolutely have to talk about the sex scenes for a second yes so where to start um okay so i am a zero on the kinsey scale don't insult yourself like that it does nothing for me. I did not know going into this about the, like, specifics of Japanese censorship and the fact that they could not actually draw penises. So when I was initially reading the second sex scene, um, which involves, like, some pretty obvious dick play, I was like, wait, do vampire penises glow? Are they magic? Do they have magic dicks? Because the first one, I think we see Ichi's penis, but there's some liquid on it from from all of their uh, stuff they'd already been doing, and it's fallen in a way where he can clearly draw the liquid, and it doesn't, like, when you glance at it, it doesn't look like, it just looks like a drawing of a penis. So then later on, I was like, what is happening? If, if vampire dicks glow in this universe, has why hasn't this been brought up before? Did... That's, like, the first thing I would be, like, I would, I, if I was N, I would be like, wait, what is happening down there? <laughs> yeah, like, it becomes more apparent later on, like, especially, like, when it starts with, like, the blowjob, because it's N holding the penis in his hand, licking the tip, and it's just this 
oblong, glowy, white expanse. Because, yeah, like... It's very specifically shaped, though. You can tell what that looks like. Yeah. Going into this, I hadn't even thought about the fact that you wouldn't be used to this sort of thing. Oh, I don't care. I was just, like, surprised by the censorship thing. That confused me. Oh, that's what I mean, is the censorship (laughs) of, like... Because I'm so used to seeing all the various different tropes of how BL manga will censor dicks that I see a weird glowy looking thing and it doesn't phase me. You know, like it looks awkward, obviously. Like obviously it would be better if it was just a dick. But I have seen many a glowy penis in my life at this point. So it doesn't surprise me in the same way. And like different manga will handle this a bit differently dependent on the offer, depend on the publisher, of, like, how much are they willing to do in towing the line, you know, being, like, what is each publisher comfortable with? Because there are, like, technical illegalities they're dealing with, but, like, certain small publishers, you'll see, will just say, fuck it, versus other times there will be full-on glow censorship. Sometimes there will just be, like, a small line going across like parts of the dick to like partially obscure it sometimes more so than others sometimes it's just a teeny little line that's just like that's still just a fully drawn penis so the degrees of censorship are inconsistent i think the glowy ones are the worst ones because it's just ridiculous and yeah it just looks like a glowing phallus which is not ideal it it like certainly in several panels it is so specifically shaped out by like the background and by, like, well, the stuff that N is doing to it that I was I was initially going, right, no, this is just, like, a magic thing, I think. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I'll specifically note in one of the panels where N is licking the tip, and the text, whoa, <laughs> is, like, where the penis would be. So it's, like, half penis shape half ward bubble kind of because there's lettering inside of the cock (laughs) it's all it's all very funny there's some unusual ward balloons if you'll ever see any that i mean that's when mostly the lettering trick of the um the transparent word balloons that like at least i read that as a mental communication i'm actually now rethinking that but I don't know, I certainly it seems to be happening in panels where the characters would not actually be saying words out loud. Yeah, like that's definitely a possibility. Like I said earlier, for me a lot of the time I just thought of it as here's where we can get more skin on page because this is the porn moment, <laughs> you know? But I do think the charm sort of thing is another way you could read it. And I don't think, like, the context would, like, go against that. Like, I think it does make sense in context. The back of the book has some very nice pin up art of them, just, like, presumably promo art from, like, the original magazine, where the characters are once again just in their beautifully designed clothing, these elaborate suits, chains hanging off of them, great pattern work again, um, lots of rings, lots of jewelry just blinging all over the place just so much detail and everything the bling pacifier that n has is extremely funny it's the pacifier gag is so good like the baby moments are some of the best panels and i don't think i'd even notice the pacifier in this like pinup page until you pointed it out but yeah that's great well he's sucking on it because he's a vampire he has to suck on things and As we just discussed, he sure does suck on things. (laughs) Glowy things. Um, Let's see. I'll go ahead and read a little bit from the postscript from Billy Bolly Bolly. Bally Bally. Silly name, however it's said. They might be somewhere in your city. Guys with piercings and slightly pronounced canines wearing sneakers. They might be sitting right next to you at a cafe in the middle of the night. I just like that narration of... They might be somewhere near you. Guys with piercings and sneakers. They could be real. You might see them. Um, Yeah, it says after that. Volume 1 ended with a mystery, but I hope you continue to watch over N and company. See you again in Volume 2. So, yeah, the plan going forward. 
we'll definitely have to get at least a little bit more development next time on what the fuck is happening with this mystery vampire. I first got this book about a year ago, I'm gonna guess. Have read it many a time since then, and would periodically just keep checking, looking for when is volume 2 out, when is volume 2 out. And forever there wasn't even evidence of volume 2 having released in Japanese yet, much less in English. And then this fucking week when we were talking about it in preparation for the episode, I checked and volume 2 finally just came out in Japan within the last few weeks. And so I have in fact already ordered that on eBay to import to my house. So soon we will know what's happening development-wise with all of this story and like the vampire stuff, yada yada. Or, you know, the other vampire, attacker vampire mystery shit I mean specifically. But I'm so fucking excited because I've been waiting for a year for any evidence of getting another volume of this and I'm finally about to have it. So I am very happy about that. As you said earlier, on a specific level, this doesn't do everything for you that it doesn't that it does for me, because your Kinsey numbers are horrifically low, and I think you really need to learn to believe in yourself, and you can get those nice and up there. I think that you have it in you to do so, but regardless, porn aside. You know, like, there's a lot more to this story than just the sex scenes. And oh, yeah. my impression is that you enjoyed it regardless. Yeah, definitely. If a volume two comes along in English, I at least want to figure out who that vampire is. Because um, I am always down... Well, hopefully it's a dramatic answer, because I'm always down for some drama. Yeah, I I think it's going to be dramatic. I think the build-up is definitely in that direction. Yeah, overall good first impression of boys love i think yeah absolutely yeah um so that was fangs that was our first gay manga on the pod our first bl and our first vampire fuck fest i have a suspicion next week is going to be a little different what are we going to be talking about next week uh we're going to be talking about the earliest appearances of dr strange and also the first Doctor Strange comic I read. So, Strange Tales 110, 111, and 114, which are all of his first appearances before his origin story. Um, art by Ditko, written by Stanley, um, mostly, well, scripted by Stanley. Doctor Strange is mostly a Ditko creation. Um, and then Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 2, uh, specifically the Doctor Strange Spider-Man team-up story, which is when they first meet, and is where I first encountered Doctor Strange and became a huge fan of the character, certainly the character's 60s stuff back then, so yeah. Sounds good, sounds fun, I'm looking forward to looking at the Ditko art, if nothing else. Not like a huge Doctor Strange fan, but I think the early stories just look kind of fun and spooky, so that'll be fun. And we'll see how good they are story-wise, writing-wise, going back. I haven't looked at these in a long time. Yeah, I um, I now want to go through them and try and read them from a Randian perspective, since I think when I first read them, I, had, I hadn't realized Steve Ditko's uh, political leanings were as, well far right as they they wound up being so i am now fascinated to read from that perspective yeah i wonder too how much of that was like he was that way at the time versus if he like grew more into it over time as well you know you can see it happen on spider-man because spider-man's attitude towards terrorism slowly shifts during like the second half of the lead Ditko run to more and more selfish reasons Oh, God. Like, there's a whole scene where he gets angry at protesters who are protesting because they're protesting. They just want to protest things because children are terrible. Anyway, we're reading Doctor Strange, which is better than the latter half of the Lee Ditko run on Spider-Man. And uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual 2, I think, is genuinely really great. We have done three episodes involving a Spider-Man story, and two of them involve Doctor Strange at this point. It is a good team-up. 
having Spider-Man deal with mystical shit always puts him out of his element, so that's fun. Um, and with that, I think we're pretty much good to wrap up for this week. Uh, thank you for listening to us talk about things. Go get yourself a copy, maybe preferably used, because Tokyo Pop's a horrible company that I don't usually buy from. So I don't like supporting them too much, but things was worth getting anyway because it's just that fucking good. But with all of that said, Doctor Strange next week. Thank you for listening and bye. Bye. Press, press, and, 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 and